Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. This is a show where we aim to give residential investors the confidence and knowledge to invest with some clarity in the seemingly murky world of commercial property investment. A few years ago, I made that transition to commercial property myself, and I haven't looked back since. You see, commercial property is a great asset class where there is less competition, and the lack of clarity means there are opportunities to find great deals that are often hidden in plain sight. Now, this week, we're going to be talking about crypto, but not perhaps as you know it. Crypto has, of course, been a talking point and lots of people have invested in the crypto coin market. But how could this possibly affect the property market? Are they not distinct and separate? Could you have a coin based around real estate? Will blockchain really revolutionise financial transactions in property? And more importantly, what could it mean for the private investor? These are some of the questions we try to cover in this episode. We have actually had this discussion scheduled for some time, but only recently did Greg and I finally manage to sit down and have an in-depth, coherent conversation about this exciting topic. So I should say, first off, Greg works with me as part of our team, looking after our portfolio, and he has a fantastic knowledge on operations and facilities management. But he's also researched and written a thesis on this topic. So who best to ask some of the rookie questions that were in the back of my mind? So sit back and have a listen in to hear how our industry could and in fact is becoming part of the blockchain. Hi and welcome back to Commercial Property Investor Podcast. Uh, my name is Jerry Alexander. I'm joined today by Greg, um, a colleague of mine at both work and in property investing. Greg has kindly agreed to join us to talk about the tricky subject of tokenization of real estate which sounds like a good bedtime reader, but there is some interesting trends here that we really need to pay attention to. It's on the back of obviously all the crypto discussions and the technology that sits behind crypto and what that means for real estate, or does it actually mean anything for real estate? But before we go into that, Greg, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for having me. And let's just quickly give our audience an idea of who the hell Greg is and uh, what it is you've actually been doing until now, because I know that you've obviously got family business with commercial already and some resi, but equally during the academic studies, you've um, worked through a few things. So maybe you could just give us a quick summary of how you've got to where you are, Greg. Um, So a few years ago, um, I went out to the States with the Saltar Foundation, did a course in high-growth entrepreneurship, and came back to work in the family property business, which is a mix of commercial and residential, um, a few flats, some light industrial, some retail units. Uh, then I moved down to Edinburgh, worked in serviced office management for a while, um, and uh, went, went back into sort of thinking about the next stages. So I opted to do a master's degree in real estate investment 
and had to pick a dissertation topic. Uh, so going back to what I'd learned in the States, uh, I was thinking, okay, what, what is the future of real estate investment? Um, you know, if, if I'm standing horizon scanning, what do I think is going to be coming up? And speaking to a few people, um, not just in, in property, but, you know, other friends that have been setting up high growth companies, everybody's looking for funding and fundraising to get them started. So to to get a big idea off the ground, it can't always be done organically. Sometimes you need external investment. Um, sometimes you, you, you know, traditionally go and get some debt or you find an investor that wants to put in equity. And the conversation moved into crowdfunding. So I started looking into what's the future of real estate crowdfunding. And at the same time, people are speaking a lot about cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. And it turned out that there's a new topic called real estate tokenization. So these are asset-backed cryptocurrencies. There's been a lot of crowdfunding projects uh, globally, but focusing on the UK, where retail investors such as me that are you know, not high net worth people with 200 grand a year coming in, but just want to put 500 quid into this project or 1,000 quid into that project and, and see what happens, have been led into crowdfunding projects where we've been under the belief that you can put money into this investment project and it will be protected under the, the UK compensation, the bank compensation, and also that you can invest under the banner of your ISA or your pension. Um, and some of these projects have turned out not to be legitimate and other ones have simply turned out not to be regulated. So the regulations have changed that the, these projects can no longer just be straightforward advertised to retail investors. However, what's emerged out of that is technology and the application of technology. So you would traditionally set up a limited company that buys and owns the property and then sell shares to investors. Real estate tokenization is the, the tokenization of those shares. So you're dealing in a, a share as a security, a stock, crypto securities, asset-backed securities. Let's just back up for a second, if I may really just to try and separate out those silos, which I know is becoming more difficult. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, a lot of crowdfunding platforms that do raise money for projects tend to have an end, a start date and an end date. They don't tend to continue on. Um, there is some um, agreement around that about what the, re the re recompense is going to be at the other end. Yeah. But with a non-asset-backed coin or token, let's call it Bitcoin or Ether or many of the others, these currencies don't actually have any asset behind them. They don't have a gold standard behind them. They don't have a property behind them. Um, but the one thing they do have is a supply and demand uh, mechanism going on, which allows or can impact price. Yeah. But what you're talking about is kind of a combination here of let's take a, an asset like a shopping mall and we'll tokenize it. So we'll issue tokens of that shopping mall. Is that a fair summary of where we're at? Yeah. So if you um, 
if you went on Crowdcube to raise money for your company, uh, you would come up with a valuation for your company and issue a set number of shares at a set price. And any investor such as me could go on the platform and say, okay, I want to buy X number of shares at this price. I've got a thousand pounds to invest and transact through that website, which would take a little while to do. Now, once I've bought those shares, I get a an email with a PDF saying, you own this number of shares in this company um, worth this amount. But it it doesn't necessarily tell you when you're going to be able to sell those shares. So you would have to wait until that company goes for a further fundraising or floats um, before you can actually sell the shares. And the platforms available that you would sell your shares on just don't really exist. So during the infancy period of the investment, there's no secondary market available um, unless Crowdcube, for example, have a, a private room for their members that you can go on and, and basically advertise, I want to sell my shares. Is there somebody there that wants to buy them? Now, if they've only got a 1,000 members on the platform, it's not enough. Um, it's not it's not enough people to be looking to buy these shares. And, you know, it might only be that 10 of those other investors in that platform actually want to buy those shares in that company. Yeah, so there's a real so there's a real liquidity issue, really. Exactly. And and it's and it's worth pointing out that you know we are being we're certainly putting in a few sweeping generalizations because there'll be some platforms that have better functionality for that sort of thing. And and I guess in time that will come. But it's also there is a thing about having enough people or enough investors, as you say, to actually make it so that the liquidity is there, so the price doesn't fluctuate based on supply and demand or lack of supply. Um, or lack of demand in in such dramatic fashion because it would do if you've got very few shareholders and if you need to exit quickly and there's nobody else there to buy naturally you'll have to sell at a pretty heavy discount but that's part of the thing about investing in smaller smaller asset class i guess so what tokenization allows you to do is trade the tokens globally basically creating a, a cryptocurrency with a smart contract applied to it that handles all the know your customer and anti-money laundering checks and all the paperwork related to the security. So, um, you know, at the moment, that's a completely analog process. Then the crypto section of it keeps a record on blockchain of who owns this particular string of code that represents a coin. and. These exchanges are global. Um, anybody from anywhere can tap into it and buy or sell. Uh, so what you would do as a, a company issuing a security token offering is you would, like with, uh, well, is it still the same theory as um, selling shares in a limited company? You create a limited number of shares that you're going to issue to the market. And you don't even have to issue that whole number of shares. So say you want to create 100 shares, you might retain 20 of them. You might sell 80 of them. Um, so you can do that. Um, 
the shares you can you can set an initial value of them but once they're in the marketplace if there's increased demand for a limited supply then the share value creeps up and you can see that with some of the projects that have already issued security tokens that the initial uh, price of the tokens has actually increased in value so there's the the underlying asset value but then there's actual token value as well now in the context of Bitcoin, it's purely driven by demand. So all these guys that are out on social media hyping up saying, you know, Bitcoin to the moon or Dogecoin to the moon, the more people that, that pile in, the more demand there is for a limited supply and up the, up the price goes. With um, a tokenized real estate offer, in the traditional sense, there would be a dividend from a share. What gets written into the contract, the agreement about the tokenization of real estate and that allows that to happen? Because not ordinarily, if you buy a Bitcoin, there is no income. But if you buy a token in a shopping mall in Canada, as an example, how does that mechanism work? for um, some kind of dividend or what's it even called is it called a dividend greg be a dividend it's just the exact same you have just bought a digital security and the token represents that digital security and the token makes it tradable on an exchange platform digital versions of traditional contracts that if you're going to pay out a dividend or something the smart contract will manage that for you okay so let's just and I'm, I'm, it's very easy for me to ask these questions from the point of view of somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about because that's pretty much me, right, at the moment with this. But basically, if we talk about shares in a traditional company, so let's say I want to go and buy a large office building, redevelop it, I need to raise some private finance, I might put it into an SPV or a special purpose vehicle, sell some shares, which won't be on a stock exchange because the company's not big enough, it's certainly not the sort of stuff I'm doing. But equally, if I was to do that through tokenization, um, what's the real difference? Some some people will be saying, well, look, you know what, what's the point? What's the difference between just selling shares in my development project versus tokenization? What what are some of the key differences there, Greg? The the key difference is that you are opening it up to a much, much bigger market. Um, so if you need to raise more funds or the people that are the investors want to buy in and out um, because they've all got different you know, investment timeframes, they can do that. Whereas at the moment, you're probably approaching maybe 10 investors, 10 private investors. Um, and once they're in, they're in for an indefinite period or an agreed period until you, you buy them out. Uh, or they need to go and find one of their friends that's going to buy that investment off them. With okay. tokens, you've got a global plat- a global pool of people that can get on these exchanges and buy them from you. All right. So, I mean, regulation is popping in, in my head, but I think we should come back to that later, right? Mm-hmm. Let's, let me just, just to give people a, a, a bit more... Um, a bit more of a visual on this. Can you give us an example of a project where this has been done? What, what sort of um, projects have been done? Just give us an example that would just help flesh it out a bit. 
the the most notifiable project is the St. Regis Hotel in Aspen, the ski resort. But I know you like skiing, Jerry, so pay attention to this one. But uh, the, is it coming? The, the owner of the hotel, it's a hotel resort with roughly 200 rooms, and the owners wanted to release some equity for whatever reasons. Maybe they wanted to buy a new yacht or sports car or something. So they retained 80% ownership of the hotel and released 20% equity to the market. So they, they, they actually have done it through a REIT, a real estate investment trust. Um, so the, the real estate investment trust is the, the business entity, such as a limited company that owns the asset, and they're selling shares in that REIT. They've partnered with a company which at the time was elevated returns, but they've now moved over to another company called Securitize. And Securitize is the company that has handled setting up all the digitization process. So that would be like me raising money for my business and going on the Crowdcube platform and Crowdcube handling all the share issuance process and communicating with uh the investors, you know, through social media and advertising and things. So Aspen REIT have gone to Securitize to go through all the digitization process. Securitize have then partnered with Indiegogo, the crowdfunding platform, to market and advertise to investors. And investors have just registered with these platforms, reviewed the, the information of the, the share offering, and then signed up to go through the know your customer checks, the anti-money laundering checks. Uh, that platform's hosted the whole process of, okay, uh, how many shares do I want to buy? It's $10,000 minimum buy-in, and you basically put the transaction through. It goes into a holding pen for a while, and then once, it's, once the fundraise is completed, the smart contracts handle the the share or token issuance. And once you've got those tokens, you will have them on a digital platform and exchange in exactly the same way that anyone buying Bitcoin through an app at the moment might be using the Coinbase app. Um, for tokens, you might be using the Uniswap app, for example, and you would have a list of the different tokens that you've bought. So it takes an analog process and makes it digital. It takes a siloed marketplace and makes it global it's interesting and, and we're again we're we're talking about crypto crowdfunding and um platforms and exchanges all in the same breath here and really what it is is as is an advancement of the background technology right it's not so much about a crypto coin it's about the technology that underpins all of that and the fact that you can have that security and that that ability to track everything that happens with that share or that token, as, as we're describing here. Just on that particular project, Greg, how what was the size of the, the raise? How much was raised on that? They issued 1.6 million shares at a value of 20 US dollars each, which represented 19% of ownership in a 224 million resort. Nice. 179 rooms. That's an interesting story of how they bought it, developed it, and increased the value of it, but we'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> um, so the, the, 
the security that's underpinning all this is blockchain. So this is the, the new technology, and it doesn't just apply to real estate tokens and things. The uh, you know the British Land Registry are looking at blockchain for um, for basically being a, a digital ledger of ownership of property. Um, so when you go and buy this ownership, this share or anything, you could then go back to the blockchain, the way that you go in company's house, and you could find all the information of who owns the the, the coin at the moment and uh, who have been the different owners and how many times has it been transacted. So all that information is available. And blockchain is a whole other subject in itself, but it's secure because every time a block gets stamped on the chain, you it happens so quickly and there's so many of them going on that's completely distributed around all the computers globally that uh, that are, are running blockchain. Um, if somebody wanted to go in and try and fudge something on it, they would have to have NASA computing power to edit what's just happened in real time and also edit all the other bits of detail before that explaining who owns what and what transactions are taking place. So it's a very secure system and institutions are, are starting to get into this now. And because it's so secure and because institutions are getting into it, um, like the State Street Bank in, in, in Boston, America, they have just announced that they're going to be launching a, a crypto division to handle this and to handle asset tokenization. So it's it's early stages in the market, but you're hearing more and more about it. But it's interesting because you because this I think this is the bit that um, it's going to take time for people to recognize. As you're talking there about crypto, a lot of people immediately think Bitcoin or Ether or Dogecoin, these different um, non-asset-backed ones. But what you're talking about there is the, is this move. And who is it you were saying that was doing that? Sorry, State Street Exchange. Right. So their their move into that is not necessarily for crypto. It's for asset-backed tokenization. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, a lot of banks. Head, what they're doing, but a lot of banks have. have being led into these things by demand from their customers. So high net worth investors with money sitting saying, I want to buy this stuff. You know, can you provide a platform or avenue for me to put my money into it? Um, but they're, you know, they're starting to take it seriously. And you, you hear about cryptocurrency funds and things that have been established. It, it, it's a buffer level between the investor and the actual yeah cryptocurrency but i think that's probably a separate uh separate story so so let's just touch on regulation for a minute okay so if i want to go out and, and really we're talking here about um the listener really uh, is looking at getting into commercial real estate or is in commercial real estate and really is this got anything to do with it and, and we'll maybe come on to that but from a developer's point of view um when i go through trying to raise money traditionally if i raise it from individuals i start coming across a lot more regulation if i raise it from companies there's slightly less regulation if it's a b2b loan or something like that um what do you see is it the wild west at the moment is there ways of getting this regulated quickly what's the current situation on that 
especially well, when you're talking about it being exchangeable globally. I mean, I, I guess there's, I, I'm jumping in here, but I guess there's um, there's two parts of this process. There's the initial raise, getting the whole thing established, selling tokens, getting it started, and then there's the next bit, which is trading them. So they may be treated slightly differently. And just what's your take on that, Greg? Um, it's all covered under security regulations. So if you're making the investment in the UK uh, with a UK-based company, it would be the UK security regulations that the, the whole project would fall under. In the US, same thing. In Switzerland, same thing. Um, so, you know, you, you do have to have a look. Is, is this a a Monaco registered company or is it an offshore company that owns the asset that's launching this and what are the regulations in that domain? Um, and is it, is it those regulations that this whole project is falling under? So 300 years worth of security, of evolution of security regulation, that's what applies. And um, we'll get on to, you know, I'm happy to issue my research paper to anybody that's, that's interested in, in digging further into it, but there have been enough projects now over the last couple of years that have tested the waters in different domains that have uh, fallen foul of securities regulations. And there's a lot of learning come out of that. But yeah, basically, you know, you, you would take the same advice as if you were issuing shares in your company. It's just the same regulations that apply. Okay. So... Um, I was going to say I'm developing a building. Let's be fair, I don't tend to develop new buildings. I find an old building, I want to buy it, redevelop it, repurpose it um, for what I see is the demand in the market. And traditionally, I might go to the bank or I might go to a broker to find me a bank or I may go to a crowdfunding platform. Um, and right now, I wouldn't know where to go about tokenization. Maybe there isn't somewhere for me to go. But at some point, it sounds like that might be an option I need to start considering. When do you think that's possible? What's what's the rollout of this, Greg? It's, it's very early days yet. Um, so a group of developers in New York City redeveloped a, a block of 12 luxury apartments. And they had traditional construction debt that they'd raised from the bank to get the project going. Um, but rather than face the pressures of having to repay their bank loan while they were also trying to sell the properties, maybe have to sell the properties at a reduced price just to make enough cash to repay the bank, they opted to crowdfund um, through security tokens. So they, they raised equity through the crowdfund with the intention of using that money to repay the bank and the investors that had put the money into the crowdfund were happy to keep the money invested for long enough that the developers could then go to the market and take their time about selling the apartments for the highest possible value. But that particular example, there was an exit plan. That was a specific project which and, and again, you know, this may be showing my naivety, but that works well for what I see as crowdfunding because there's a beginning, a middle, and an end on that particular one. And we all know where we are when we start the process. But the guy who did the project in Aspen 
wasn't yeah. necessarily looking for an end. His end was exiting or taking some money off the table, basically, by tokenizing an element of their asset, which yeah. wasn't necessarily going to have an end date or a repayment date. That was an open-ended, here's the investment, here's the average returns over the last 10 years, and we will continue with that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's project-specific. So the one in Aspen is a, a real estate investment trust, so it, it doesn't necessarily need to have a an end date for the investment and, and repaying the investors. They're, they're invested, they're, their investment goals are to have capital appreciation over time plus any dividend payments that they receive through the lifetime of the investment. Um, and if they want to exit at any point, then they just sell the tokens to another investor. Um, whereas you may have bought your property and you want to raise the funds to develop it and then you want to sell it and repay your investors and you're essentially flipping the property and getting your money back out. So you, you just set a time period on it. Okay, so I'm seeing this kind of, I'm, I'm picking out the little pieces here. So on one side, we've got shares in the traditional company traded on the stock market if that is the size you're you're at um but otherwise it's maybe just held at your accountants and and you've got all the shareholding certificates and all that sort of thing on a on a smaller basis but then you've got the crowdfunding guys who are not funding projects but they're facilitating the funding of the projects and then over here we're talking about tokenization which seems to be out on it's slightly out over here but actually all three could effectively amalgamate into the same thing where you've you know you've maybe got shares over here that have been working traditionally and actually at some point that might become more digital anyway because of the way things are going and that actually the um the process of creating the crypto may well just work just as well for share share certificates and it's just that the crowdfunding platform or those platforms where they have access to lots of investors rather than the traditional um, retail market where it's a bit more disparate there's there's not really so easy to get hold of investors or at least not focused investors um it sounds like the crowdfunding guys are quite a linchpin in this is that the right way to view that or am i just using crowdfunding platform as a bit of a generalization <laughs> it is uh, you know my initial avenue into coming across the whole real estate tokenization was because i was interested in the future of property crowdfunding um, I suppose if you if you were to launch a company today and you went to a group of investors, they put their money in, um, or you raised bank debt or something, you you would you would be sitting on that, and then you would keep building the company, and then uh, at some point you might float it on the alternative stock market run by the the London Stock Exchange. So you know, small cap companies, or then if you if you keep scaling the company up, you might go for a, a public flotation, and then you're in the stock market, and you know anybody can can buy in through the the exchange. Well, it's the same sort of theory with the the tokens and the crypto version of it. Um, you would launch your project, you would go to a crowdfunding platform. The crowdfunding platform would do your marketing and advertising to find investors for you, unless you've got the means to do that yourself. You might already have a hundred or a thousand investors lined up 
ready to contribute directly to you, in which case they might go to securitize and just log into your own website, you know, with a branded page and, and go through all those customer checks. Um, but I think the whole key feature here is the size of the marketplace that you're seeking to raise funds from. You know, if you want to raise a million pounds or if you want to raise a hundred million pounds, you're going to need a bigger market or you're going to need a market of much higher net worth investors. Okay, so so basically the infrastructure, Greg, what, what's the development and what needs to happen really for the infrastructure to make this become more mainstream? You mentioned um, some organizations are getting more involved. Uh, perhaps some of the crowdfunding platforms themselves may um, start working on this, but it sounds like there's a bit more of an infrastructure change that needs to happen before um, we, Jimmy, can go and tokenize his local um, shopping mall. The technology are there. They've evolved over the last couple of years, and they're now pretty established. And, and these projects have been launched and, and done. Um, it's just that people don't really know about all of this stuff yet, or they're, they're still unsure what crypto and blockchain and these things are and how it works. So it's actually it's, it's less about the platforms evolving than the market's knowledge of these platforms evolving. And it really just needs somebody to launch a project and run it full life cycle from start to finish uh, and, and tell the market all about it so that more investors get involved. Um, most of the companies, as you might imagine, are based in, in the States or Switzerland where you know the private equity markets are traditionally located. Zurich, New York, places like that. Miami is a, a real hotbed at the moment for crypto and tokenized tokenization of, of um, assets. So yeah, it just just really needs the the market to catch up with it. A few okay. people to run projects successfully and get their head around it, and then you know start promoting it. Well, it sounds like from a time frame point of view, if somebody is getting started in commercial right now or has started building up their portfolio, there could be a possible partial or complete exit based around what we're talking about. It is something that time frame wise, let's say we're talking about an exit from commercial in five years or 10 years, this might be something to keep your eye on. The, the, the guy, the private investor who, who we tend to be talking to on here rather than the institutional investor, private investor has an opportunity to potentially build up enough assets that this mechanism might allow them to do a partial or full exit at a later date based on setting up obviously a business that can operate without them, but nevertheless, um, a business that they could effectively sell shares or tokens in that will allow them to do a partial or full exit, such as the one in Aspen. Is that something that you know people should really start considering? Absolutely. So uh, some of the, the initial research papers that I referred to um, when I was trying to, to get an understanding of this were, so Oxford University have a real estate lab, which spend all their time researching innovations that are happening in real estate. They published a paper in February of last year, 2020. Um, so that that's how early that is. And MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology out in Boston, they also have a real estate innovation lab, and they had just published a paper last year as well. 
So it's it's very early stages. And uh, there's a a guy on you'll find him on Twitter called Omar Faridi. Um, he's a go-to source of the knowledge for this, uh, but he publishes a, a monthly report on um, security tokens and uh, specifically real estate security tokens. So at, at, at the moment, um, the projects that are, are kind of in the public domain, um, and some of them are really small, you know, actually just individual houses in an estate that a company in the States have gone out and bought and tokenized and, and are creating a fund for really quite small very very small and and the market cap of all these tokens um from all the different companies the last time i looked it was 24 million which you know would buy you a, a one luxury mm-hmm. flat in new yeah. york city for example but uh to to give you an example today's market cap on coinbase for bitcoin is 508 billion and they've achieved that in 12 years now, it took 44 years for Microsoft to become a trillion-dollar company. It took 42 years for Apple. It took a lot less for Amazon. And it's taken 12 years for, for Bitcoin to reach that market cap. So, um, Isn't that amazing, Greg? Particularly when there is actually no income and no asset, no, no IP, no technology, no property behind Bitcoin. Yeah. It's incredible. It's, it's amazing. But we're not we're not here to um, speculate on whether Bitcoin is a good investment or not. But the technology underneath the blockchain underneath is definitely here to stay. And and it's interesting how the ripple effects and how it may well affect our market. And certainly from my point of view, having an exit at some point is something I need to be aware of, even if it's only a partial exit. Because so far we've only bought and held. We haven't taken on property and redeveloped to sell. We've tried to reduce that tax burden by just keeping the asset and, and, and building up the cash flow. But at some point, people with that strategy may want to partially exit, take some money off the table or fully exit. And they may have had to look at either liquidating individual buildings, finding a specific company or an individual who wants to buy that portfolio. But this is completely turning that on, that on its head. This is talking about finding lots of individuals mm-hmm. who buy into that brand, that, that offer, and allow you to exit without necessarily having to go through a very expensive process. Certainly so, seems that way. You know, in, in a, it, to put it into global perspective, Jerry, um, so for example, you, you've bought a property, you're developing it, you, you have a couple of investors in, involved in it. Um, those investors are, are guys in your network that you know, um, you've probably told them about it, you've had to go and find them, but Say you've got a, a guy in an emerging economy in, in Africa and he's sitting with his mobile phone and he's thinking, you know, it's a really unstable economy in Africa. The government are, are dodgy, you know, even buying property and everything here is it's a really difficult process to go through. Technology allows him to go onto your website from any location in the world, unless there's a, a North Korean type filter on it, perhaps. And you know, identify an asset and think, okay, I've got whatever the local currency is. I've, I've maybe, or, or maybe he's got some satoshis, which are fractions of Bitcoin, like coins. Um, and he thinks, you know, I've got the equivalent of one British pound and I want to invest this in property. He could go on your website and 
find which property he wants to invest in or which REIT or which fund he wants to invest in and he can put that tiny little amount in just in the same way that you can you can buy a tiny fraction of Bitcoin. Um, and, you know, vice versa, you could be sitting here in Scotland thinking, um, I really fancy owning a bit of Miami real estate or Hong Kong real estate or Singapore real estate. Uh, you know, which assets could, you, could I get invested in? And in real time, in a matter of seconds or minutes, you could have selected the property and purchased ownership in it. Whereas at the moment, the barriers to entry for real estate investing are, you know, you're going to have to have a minimum of 10,000 quid in the bank. Then you're going to have to find a project. You're going to have to go out and source the property yourself. And then you're going to have to go through all the, the different paper processes of making that investment. Technology's going to speed all that up. You will meant- still need to do some due diligence on what it is and what the offer is, of course, because some of them may be, for instance, Amazon investors are, 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 you know, it was well known that they were constantly reinvesting and reinvesting and reinvesting, and there wasn't really going to be any income. And Jeff Bezos, because he owned so much of the company and, and they had so much momentum, they was able to push that back, keep pushing back. And now, of course, they're really, really benefiting from all the infrastructure they've put in. Yeah. But then there's other companies that that's not their strategy. Their strategy is to try and um, milk a certain asset and get as maximum amount of cash flow they can out of it. So part of your due diligence on the coin or the token that you're buying is to find out actually what is the memorandum behind this? What is the discussion? What is the point of this coin? What are they trying to do? And part of it, of course, is that thing about, well, there's a beginning, a middle and an end. Or actually, are these more just a long-term investment that has a certain? Effectively, they're loans. You know, there's a there's a, man, a certain amount of money, tokens issued to raise money for the particular project. But ultimately, it may be that those are going to be there indefinitely because there's an income attached to them. Interestingly, how how would you um, if you did have an investor in from um, sub-Saharan Africa who's bought three tokens? Um, how does one get a dividend to that individual? So the, the, the mechanism contracts, whatever method you would use for paying out a dividend to traditional investors, the smart contracts would digitize the traditional contract and um, run through that process. So they could be repaid to a bank account or they might be repaid through the 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 crypto platform that they're they're using for the investment, um, and I think just going back to what you're saying about regulation, if you're issues issuing securities, you often have to issue a securities prospectus to prospective investors to review before they make that investment, and the issuance platforms that you can use to issue tokens would handle that process of of presenting the prospectus to potential investors as part of their sign-up and just scaling it back a bit. Just this year in the UK, um, the IPSX, the International uh, Property Securities Exchange has has launched, um, which is a a stock exchange specifically for real estate. Um, And having a look at the the mailbox REIT, which is a shopping centre in Birmingham, which is their first listing, there's about an 80-page prospectus that goes with that investment 
So you, you, you're really supposed to review the investment before you, you get involved in it. And early, early um, real estate token launches, uh, they, they went down the route of just issuing a white paper, you know, five pages of here's our concept for a property development. Um, would you like to invest? And a few people piled in their, their money into these thinking they were going to get higher returns. And it, it turned out it was just a nonsense. And um, the the regulators have gone after these companies for basically falsely issuing securities. So it, it all comes down to whatever the security regulations are in the domain where you are launching your project. And if you have a foreign investor they will be coming to your website and going through the know your customer checks and the sign up process under your your law. So if it's if you know if it's a UK project, it'd be UK securities law that would apply. Who would I currently go to in the UK or anywhere to try and go to have because I'm gonna need somebody to hold my hand on this. Yeah. So right. you know who who is the go-to place or supporter that's going to actually help me go through that and make sure I'm doing it right. Is there anyone? There is a company, and I made a note of it just the other day when I was listening to a podcast by the, I highly recommend this one, it's the Security Token Show podcast. Um, so if you if you follow that and join their Clubroom group, if you're a member of Clubroom, um, they have announced it. So if we've got some show notes coming after this, yeah. We'll put it in there, but there is a yeah. company that's doing it. Brilliant. Right. Now, let's just hold the bus. You mentioned Mailbox in Birmingham. Yes. So what's happening there? Is that a project that's happening in the UK? And is that actually where some people can actually invest some money? When's that happening? And have I picked that up right? Uh, that has or is happening. So if you go onto the IPSX um, or just go onto the Mailbox Birmingham, just throw it into Google and, and look for Mailbox Birmingham REIT. It's a shopping centre in Birmingham with a number of different tenants from the BBC that rent offices to Malmaison that run a hotel, car parking spaces. Uh, I think Harvey Nichols are in there. You know, it's, it's a mixed commercial, an HMO version of a commercial uh, property. And... Um, yeah, you can buy fractional ownership of that asset um, through the, the IPSX. Um, so you you could you could put in thousand yeah, pounds. So, to get so somebody, if somebody listening wants to just go and I mean, there's nothing like giving it a go, is there, to learn things? If somebody wants to actually go and learn about this, there is an opportunity there to maybe even invest in a, a UK located real estate asset. Absolutely, they could get involved in. Nobody has yet written the idiot's guide to real estate tokenization investing, because um, it's not been around for long enough. So the I think the only way to learn more about this is to start dabbling a bit, you know. Which of course we're not recommending, but you know, for those that would like to <laughs> learn more, definitely learn. Uh, you, you can't. Um, advertise projects to retail investors. But if a retail investor happens upon your project because they, they're educated themselves, then I think they're allowed to 
choose to invest as long as they have educated themselves sufficiently about the risks involved in it. Now, there's 508 trillion of goodness knows whose money tied up in completely decentralized and unregulated, unmanaged Bitcoin, which is not asset backed. So there's plenty of people out there willing to put money into completely unregulated investments. Um, but if I was offering you Bitcoin today and saying, well, Jerry, actually, this is asset backed and there's the asset right there is bricks and mortar and there's a tenant in it and there's a number of other tenants lined up to come into it. Um, and here's the, the operating report on it for the annual incomes, the tenancy agreements that I've got for it, et cetera, et cetera. I think you'd be looking at it in a different perspective. And that 10 quid that you're thinking about throwing into Bitcoin might suddenly become 100 quid or 1,000 or 10,000. So I think once people catch on to this, the market's going to just accelerate very rapidly. It, it, you know, and while I'm listening to you here, Greg, we're having this conversation, we're recording it. It's probably going to go on YouTube, the podcast will go out there. It'll be interesting to review this in five years' time and say, well, that was a load of baloney, or look what came to pass. Yeah. Little did they know how fast this was going to happen. But it does sound to me like there's a bit of an irresistible um, movement going on here, and that because we discussed earlier on, the whole blockchain is here to stay, and it's just different industries looking at how they can adapt and use that technology to trade better, work better, more efficiently, with less middlemen and costs. And that sounds like that is always a winning combination. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so blockchain is being adopted by institutions, you know, large banks, J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs. They're they're starting to create, at State Street specifically, they're starting to create divisions that are, are specifically dealing with blockchain and the blockchain is underpinning the um, the register of who owns what. Um, and some of them are developing their own blockchains. There's, there's like four main blockchains at the moment, um, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, um, I'm not an expert in, in that, but it gives me a, a sense of security having read around and got an understanding of it. And, uh, you know, these institutions are, are starting to pile in. I think the the wider context of this is that for real estate investing, if you and I were looking at the Empire State Building in New York City and we were thinking, you know, I'd really love to own a little bit of ownership in that building but it's it's an institution that currently owns it you know it's, it's a hedge fund that, that, that currently owns that building or, or a bank or pension fund or something and the buy-in is 100 million you know that that's completely out of reach for for us but say uh, that institution decided to launch a fractional ownership opportunity of just 10% of that building, you know, you or I could go on the website and buy into it. And uh, it might, you know, it, it, I think it opens up a really wide range of opportunity. You don't have to um, have debt coverage on, on your whole project. You can, you can just do part of it. Um, and as I say, uh, 
you know, the fractional ownership thing, every investor's got a different time period and somebody may want in one day and out the next. Somebody may want to be in for, for the full lifespan for three years. Um, somebody may want to change the amount that they've got invested in it but still retain partial ownership. Tokenization is going to allow all of that. Brilliant. Um, this has been really interesting. I think we've been reasonably coherent, Greg. <laughs> Hopefully. So thank you. Hopefully. Thank and you. For, for those that feel that we haven't been or um, <laughs> Sorry. want to, to know more about it, uh, I'm more than happy to issue a copy of my research paper, um, which which details the whole start to finish. What What is this? How does it work? How has it happened? What are the projects that have been tried and failed? What are the projects that have been tried and have been successful? And what's the future market opportunity? But bear in mind, Real estate's the biggest market in the world. Everybody's got a roof over their head or wants a roof over their head, either as a business or as a, an individual. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a very big market to be playing around in and uh, there's a lot of money kicking around in it. So somewhere, somehow, somebody's going to make it work. Brilliant. Okay, Greg, thank you. Um, you're absolutely right about the show notes. We will put a few of the links in there, some of the people you've mentioned. Um, your own report, which should be fantastic if people can get access to that, Greg, for those that want to have a read of it. Um, it's been really, really interesting. Thank you. As I say, I, I do think one day we're going to be coming back and having another discussion about this, a review of where things have gone. But it definitely is a really interesting topic. So thanks so much for spending the time researching it. I know it wasn't for us, but then sharing that research with us and, and trying to make it so that... Um, it's a bit more understandable for people like me. So thanks very much, Greg. You're Appreciate very you welcome. And so is everybody listening. So if, if anyone wants to find me on Twitter, you find me at Greg, G-R-E-G underscore Sim, S-I-M for mother, or send me an email, Greg at erichtventures.com, which is spelled E-R-I-C-H-T ventures. Thanks very much, Greg. So um, for those that are listening to us for the first time, maybe you just found us because of the topic. We do a regular podcast on commercial property investing. It's really focused on helping individuals who've perhaps started investing in Resi and want to move into commercial. And it's a bit of a murky world. Resi is a bit more transparent, not always, but a bit more transparent. But the commercial property market's really good at hiding opportunity right in front of your face. It's quite um, murky, that world. And this podcast has been set up to try and help demystify, debunk some of those um, challenges that people think you have of getting into commercial it's not that difficult so my job with these podcasts is to try and help you see how you can make your own entry into the commercial property market and try to do it in a safe way so greg thanks so much for um, joining us again anyone who wants to perhaps ask greg any questions we have a facebook group which is usual w's facebook.com forward slash commercial property investor that'll teach the page just click on the join group button, pop in there and you'll be able to ask some questions if you wish. That um, group is growing. It's growing rapidly. It's got lots of commercial property investors or those that want to get into the market. We filter out lots of people that um, don't necessarily or shouldn't necessarily be in there or promoting too much stuff because it really, our objective is to try and make it so that it's really high value for people that want to do commercial property investing. So thanks very much for tuning in. And we shall speak to you all again very soon. So there you go. 
Hopefully you took him more than I did on the first couple of attempts to understand what's going on and how it could actually filter down to me. What is it actually going to mean to me in the future? Now it does go without saying, we're not recommending you go straight out there and fill your boots with asset-backed crypto, but hopefully this has served to give you a few ideas on what might be coming over the hill. It'd be great to hear what you think, and if you've had any experiences yet of asset-backed, or more specifically, real estate tokens, jump on the Facebook group and join the conversation. Leave us some of your comments or questions on the topic. For those of you on our membership programme, we'll definitely be having a podcast guest speaker slot with Greg, so he can answer some of your questions directly. If you want to learn more about our new membership programme, then just pop onto our website at commercialpropertyinvestor.co.uk or click the link in the show notes. So that's about it for this week. All the very best. Have a great week yourselves. Thanks for tuning in. And I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. 